So this morning I have four simple short points, I trust, I hope, all turning our attention towards God's work in the lives of His people, that we'll see it in the Old Testament and that we'll even see it in our own lives and in our own church. And the first is simply this. The church is the ecclesia of God, meaning the church is the called out ones of God. That's what the word means, and that's the word for church in the New Testament. That the church are those who have been called out of the world and called to God Himself. We see this in Genesis, God's call of Abraham or Abram, when He calls Abram and says, you will be my people. I have a special relationship with you and with your descendants after you. And then we see Jesus modeling this same thing in the New Testament. You remember His calling of the disciples. He would walk along the seashore and call those in a fishing boat and say, leave what you have, come and follow me. He calls them out of their vocation and says, you're my people, I have something for you to do. And so God has always been in the business of calling people out of the world and to himself. I want you to think about that. Old Testament and New, he takes the leadership, he takes the prerogative, he calls the people to himself. And those he calls to himself, he says they are his treasured possession. We heard that in Deuteronomy chapter 7. We heard it elsewhere in another scripture reading this morning. We sing about it often in our hymns. That for whatever reason, we're God's treasured possession. Right? Not something for us to be boastful of or prideful of because he's not loved us because of anything that we did but he loved us because of a promise and because of his intent and his purpose. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and called you into His wonderful light. That is who we are. That's the church. That's a description of us. And you should say of yourself, well, I don't feel that special. But He says I'm a special possession. And there you find that grace and that mercy of God. That if you are one who says, I love the Lord, it's because He has loved you. Out of all the peoples of the earth, He has loved you. And I don't think I have to convince you that you're not that lovely. You're not that lovable. But He has shown a grace and a mercy to sinners like ourselves. And those He's called to Himself, those He's made to be His special treasured possession, to them He gives His name. Oftentimes in the Bible, He renames them. Abram becomes Abraham. He renames and He repurposes people. Now, we don't change our known names when we become Christians, but we are given a name, and you saw it visibly this morning. And if anything can cement in your mind this morning, I hope it would be this, that, huh, baptism really is the taking and the giving of a name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit the marking with a name to say with this name comes a new identity and, by the way, with this name 
come new responsibilities, new privileges. It all goes together. A new name, a new purpose, a new responsibility, and new privileges. That's what it is to be the church, to be the special called out possession of God. And secondly, all those that he calls to himself, those he regards as his special possession, those he renames and repurposes, he marks as his own. He distinguishes them from the world that they and everyone else may know this is legitimate. This is a worshiper of God. This is a disciple of God. Now, we can thank the Lord that there was a change in that sign of ownership. In the Old Covenant, you heard in the Scripture reading that a male at age 8 was to be physically marked and distinguished in a way that he would never forget. Can I say it that way? It was always before him. And it would affect his offspring. It would always be before him. That is a memorable marking moment. And it was painful. It was bloody. And it was for males only. Now in that context, you have to remember that there was an understanding of male headship and leadership of the home, where the leader of the home represented all that was under his care. And that is not true in the culture in which we live. But it was true in the culture in which the scriptures were given and which would have been understood. That there was a leader of the home and everyone had a duty and a responsibility to be faithful in their duties and roles. And so it was understood if the male was marked, it represented all who belonged to his household. But in the new covenant, that which the author of Hebrews says is a greater covenant, that things are so much better. You want to know one example of how things are greater and things are better? That painful, bloody marking for males only is no longer painful, it's no longer bloody, and it's no longer for males only. Though all of our recipients today were male, that was a coincidence. Now, every individual who belongs to the household of God is to be marked and distinguished. And we're given this beautiful sign and this seal that is to be remembered. It's not to be forgotten. And my true hope is that little ones who maybe saw and paid attention to what they saw today, that they see this pouring of water, this abundance of water. Why did Pastor Paul make a, make a water puddle up here? He didn't have to do that. He could use just a tiny little amount and kept things clean and nice. Well, there's something to hearing the splashing of water, to seeing the pouring, the dripping of water, to have the wetness on your head, those who were baptized this morning, because it's a visible demonstration of God at work. It's a washing ceremony. It's a ceremony that distinguishes you from this day on that, oh yes, I have the mark of membership. I've been set apart. I'm not to be like the world. I'm not a representative of just the world. I belong to Christ and His church. And all the duties and responsibilities that go with that 
are now covenantally on me. And I will give account for those. Right? That's what it is to belong to the Christian church. And so it's painless. It's water, the universal cleansing agent. Every culture of the earth understands water to be a cleansing agent. And the Lord has given this as a picture because sometimes words are not enough. We get tired of words and words go by us, but God has given us a visible picture to resonate with us. We know what it is to be dirty and filthy and to find water to be the cleansing agent that washes those, that dirt away. And so God has used baptism in that very way as a washing and cleansing ceremony that in and of itself doesn't wash sin, but it signifies and seals the reality of the sin washer and what is available to sinners who look to Him in faith. In this way, this whole ceremony should be remembered by all of us who witnessed it today. It should be a reminder, and it should even be a call to you. Have you had your sins washed away? Why should I not be baptized? If Jesus is the only hope for sinners and He freely washes sins away, why should I not be baptized if I believe in Him as well? And so in that way, it reminds those who have been baptized. It calls those who have not been baptized. Do you have a washer of your sins? There is but one, and His name is Jesus. And He invites you to come freely to Him. And without washing in Him... There is no belonging to His church. But in Him and through Him, there is the forgiveness of sin, the thorough washing of our sin. So a few things maybe this morning, as I hope this will create conversations for you and your little ones or, or for your household as you perhaps talk about these things today. Let's talk about what baptism is not. There tends to be a lot of misunderstanding about baptism because it does signify and symbolize so much beautiful truth, sometimes that can be lost over the generations. Baptism is not our statement about the one being baptized. It's not our statement. It's God Himself making a statement. And we need to see that distinction. The minister functions on behalf of the Lord as an agent, as a ministering representative. But we literally, really and truly see that it is the Lord Himself who designates and marks His people. So we don't see man as having done this, nor is it a statement by the one being baptized. It's not something that they're pronouncing. It's something that the Lord is pronouncing. And so in that way, the Lord has made a statement in our midst this morning. It's also not an award of merit. It's not something you can earn. Baptism is not something that you earn because you memorized the catechism, because you memorized scripture, because you showed up to Sunday school X number of times in a row, or because you read your Bible every day, or because you pray every day. That is not who is baptized. We baptize believers and their children. Because from Old Covenant to New Covenant, that has been the case. From the promise to Abraham, 
to the giving of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The promise has always been this continuous promise. This is for you and for your children. It's for you and for your children. It's for you and for your children. And even now, it is for you and for your children. So it's not earned by merit. It's not earned by the one baptized proving themselves worthy of baptism. It's also not, this is very important in our culture, a guarantee that the one baptized will persist in the Christian faith all the days of their life. We don't presume ultimate salvation by this baptism of water. Rather, if you hear the distinction that we make, all the covenantal responsibilities are now upon the one baptized. They're a part of the church, and they're called to persevere in the faith all the days of their life. And so when you see that, you're reminded of your own baptism if you've been baptized, that I've been set apart for the Lord. I'm in a covenant relationship with Lord And he has declared that he will keep his duties. And now he calls upon me and he empowers me to keep them as well. And so we seek to walk in faith and in obedience all the days of our life. And then fourthly and lastly, well, what baptism is? If that's what it's not, what is it? This better be good. Well, then it's this. Baptism is the validating mark of membership into the covenant community, the church family. No one can come to one who has been baptized and say, you are not a Christian because they've had the validating mark of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit put on them. The real question is, will they be a faithful Christian or an apostate Christian? Those are the categories that the scriptures speak of. But they will never be a non-Christian. They will be called to be faithful all the days of their life by God and by His Word and by His Spirit. So it is real. It is legitimate. It is what the Lord has said that it is. Secondly, it is the initiation to what should be lifelong discipleship and a call to persist in that faith. Those who are baptized don't say, okay, we got that locked up. We're done. Don't have to go to church anymore ever again because I have my assurance. No, the one baptized realizes I belong to a family. I have brothers and sisters. And together we are laboring for the glory of God, whether young or old. And thirdly, it is that visible picture to be remembered by every one of us. Now, some of you may say, well, I was baptized as an infant, and so I have no memory. I can't remember my baptism because I was a little one when I was baptized. No, you can't remember your actual baptism, but here's what you can remember. You can remember, you can remember the Lord's many mercies in your life from then until now that you are still gathering with his people. That God was at work in your life, even at a young age. And here you are as a whatever year old you may be. And how about that? The Lord still has you gathering with his people. Because his promises to you were true, even at that young age. That he would be a God to you. And even to your family. And then fourthly and lastly, it is this. It is being awesomely 
distinguished from the world. It is being set apart and giving a family name, giving that new purpose to live for the glory of God, and knowing wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you're distinguished from the world. And not because of anything you ever did, but because of God's great mercy. And now in you and through you, whether at work or at play, wherever you are in God's green earth, you're distinguished as his representative, a part of his church, filled with his spirit to honor him, to serve him as the living God. That's what it means to be baptized. If you're a baptized Christian, be reminded today, you are God's special possession. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. But he has marked us. We are legitimate members of his family with a family name. And now we have that high and holy calling to serve him all the days of our lives, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. I'll close with this before I pray. And I think I've told you this before, but I was reminded of it this week as I used it in my church office. So I have a pile of books all over my desk, different little projects I'm working on. It truly is a mess. But I have a few new books, and I noticed, oh, I haven't marked these books. I haven't taken the press, the seal that my wife gave me years ago when I was in seminary, that I can put on a page and squeeze, and it will put my name on it. It says, the li- this book belongs in the library of Paul G. Patrick. That's what it says. Now, what happens if I don't mark that book? Well, somebody comes along and says, oh, I haven't read that book. Can I borrow that book? Well, sure, you can borrow this book. I may never see that book again because it's not been marked with my name and my ownership on it. You know how it works. You borrow a book. I forgot where I got this book. I guess it's mine now, and it goes on your bookshelf, right? No, 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 no. Not with a book marked. This book belongs to property of in my case, Paul Patrick, there's a sense, there's a real sense in which baptism is that kind of marking. You do not belong to the world. You belong to Christ and to his church. And the call upon us is to live a life worthy of that marking, to be found faithful to the very end of honoring and seeking to serve the one true God. And being reminded all along the way that we will get it wrong every time. But that washing that unites us to Christ and gives us communion with him, it's real. It's true. And it's what our faith has always been in. Amen? Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, would you cement in our minds the memory of these true images that we've seen today, what you've given us for our good, when words are not enough, when pictures can be remembered. Lord, would you use these images of washing for our good, for the good of these young men. And may all of us, Lord, walk in a manner worthy of the name that we've been given. And we ask it and we pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen.